Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Motor Cult Podcast. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always with Ryan Sinisky. Hello there. How's it going? Fantastic. Oh man, so we are actually in the same exact spot as we were in episode 6, right? Yes, well, we're always in the same spot. Well, <laughs> I know, but like same day, same time, similar situation. Yes, uh, we are completely snowed in now. Uh, so we will be here, possibly having three episodes in one day. Who we'll knows? More. We'll see how drunk we get. We uh, our third episode will be reviewing Green Belt Northeast. So. <laughs> and so. I think there's one Summit EPA left in there, so we could do that oh, as a fourth. God, I don't want to <laughs> review a Summit EPA. Summit's like <laughs> Summit is as close to being Budweiser as you can get while still being a craft brewery. Yeah, and it's still Minnesota, though, so you got to have a little bit of nepotism for the place. I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm sure. A little. I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm sure there's people in like St. Louis who are <laughs> diehard Budweiser fans. I'm sure. Oh God! Look how horrible existence is that. If you're wondering what this plasticky noise is, it is me taking the uh, cover off of our beer. We'll be reviewing what again. What is today's beer? It is again by Abel. This is Proper's Pub Ale. And what sort of container is it in? It is, again, in a squealer, <laughs> <laughs> which everybody seems to be enthused by the name of that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, let me go ahead and crack her open. Oh, it actually sounded really cool. <laughs> I, know. I, like, I, I watch you, and I turn up the mixer just All as right. you're going for it to try so. to get it a little bit better. While you're pouring that, I feel like it's worth a mention. Our sound engineer is back. Yes, he is. Uh, and by strange means. He didn't come here in a vehicle. No, he shoveled his way here from St. Paul, which is... It's a three-foot-wide, <laughs> and in some cases, two-foot-deep trench just outside here. Yes. That is, as the crow flies, pointing at East St. Paul. <laughs> exactly. It's he a is, straight line. He looks very sunburned. His face is frozen, and he looks incredibly ripped now from having shoveled for what must have been weeks. He also has terrible, terrible... Hypothermia. He will likely and foot odor. He will likely lose many extremities. So, well, anyway, moving on from him losing extremities, this beer. Yes, I had to give that a, a quick sample. It is the color. A, it more looks of like amber. a yingling. Yeah, it is. It, it's kind of that same color. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh, that's, that's very good. smooth. Yeah, that's really really it good. Is, there's like no IBU in this whatsoever. Mm. No, it is an IBU of a cracker. <laughs> and it now, is... Now, when you say cracker, are you talking like the delicious cooked crisp or like... Uh, like Corey? was attempted to be a slur in the 1970s no. towards Caucasian folks. Um, it is... Uh, is the food. Oh, okay. Sounds yeah, good. It, it is very low IBU, it's, which is not necessarily a bad thing, because... Uh, for a while, beer was in that like IBU war. Who can make them? I'm just not a fan of the IBU beers. No, I'm not. That's why I don't like. Um, that's why I don't like IPAs. And there's one that was um, made in Colorado. I can't remember the name. There's more beer than just being drowned by battery hops. Yeah, and Dogfish Head came out with a IPA to just kind of make fun of the whole thing. And there's, there's some of that in my fridge at home. Yeah, well, they they made one that was like a 469 IBU beer. Well, which, by comparison... That is just pure bittering units. Yeah. Like, so, as a good kind of, like, control, a Surly Furious, which is, like, the 
quintessential right, it's, IPA. It's kind of a benchmark. Yeah, th- well, it's a perfect benchmark because it's an exact 100 IBU beer. Okay, that's so, actually a beer I also like. Yeah, so that that's like the most IBU I could ever handle. Um, even that, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it. But you um, seem to handle Modi pretty well, and he's like 300 IBU. <laughs> he is, but then he bites back. That's fine. That's no, just his bitter soul. Speaking of biting back here, yes. um, this beer does not. We, I give it a no. It's very sweet. It has solid feel. The aftertaste you get a little bit on the back of your tongue of a similar aftertaste to an IPA, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the the sting no, to it. It doesn't. It's, it has the flavor of the hop, which I like. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you get the flavor, but it's it's really like if you like something like a pale ale or something, but you don't want to deal with being having that unpleasant bitterness, a pub ale is the way to go. I feel like a lot of its good qualities come from the squealer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, that, that reassuring pop. The pop and I mean, well, I mean, and, and the kind of the storage on it yeah. as well. I feel they, like they're very attractive. Abel, it, I like what Abel did with that. Yeah, and I, I also think another thing about this, um, I feel like in a can, yeah. it would probably pick up a lot of the aluminum I flavor. Agree. I don't think that'd it be becoming of it. We should so, talk about someday. We should get like three of this. Well, I suppose we can't do three. We'd want to do tap, glass bottle, and can of the. That's same true. Beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we expand and start doing hop cult or something, that'd right. be. Really cool. Um, but anyway, back to what I was gonna—I was gonna segue with was uh, speaking of biting back. Mm-hmm. Muscle car is notorious for biting back. Yes, and there is a new muscle car coming out, which is, is uh, no, people? it's the the Chevy. Um, Ooh, we're talking about new Camaro. Oh God, yeah, aren't oh, we talking about it? Thing? it <laughs> <is> atrocious. <laughs> yeah, that got beat with ten times ugly sticks. <laughs> it is not good looking. No, um, it's so. I mean. What is okay? What is the current obsession with automakers of that colored band between the headlights? The black band that goes like across the grill. Yeah. What's well, the obsession? I I don't get it because they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to come back with that whole um, like large grill look that you'd see in like an old '30s Packard or something. I want a Lincoln Zephyr. Yeah, exactly. Like that was of the time, and now it's they just black out that center portion of the bumper cover god that's so edgy and it's like yeah i guess from 100 feet away it looks like it's just got one big grill but if why is that desirable it's not desirable at all it looks atrocious i agree i really don't like it um i mean i've never really been a fan of the look of the camaro the newer ones actually the the 20 i guess 18 whenever they did the the platform change when they went from yeah. the old platform to the ATS platform. Yeah, well, this is I the, actually like that one. I think this is the same platform as that. It is. It, it, to me, it's the belt line. That's what gets me. I hate the high belt line. Yeah, I don't like that. The belt line, the bottom of the window, you know, being up next to my earlobe is just—it's not becoming. It, I feel like I'm seeing a submarine. Well, I mean, and, you, to be fair, you would like that sort of experience if you were in a Countach. Yeah, but I mean, like, but that, you're in a boring. I, I'm, in, I'm in. A, I'm in. I'm in like. A, I'm in a pony car. I want to be able to see what's going on here. Right. And I, mean, I see it, why they hit so many pedestrians. They really can't see them. If this Beltline was any higher, it would just be a city bus. Like it's just. It could not I possibly think be any the higher. The visibility out of a city bus is substantially better than it is out of a. Computer. Oh, it is just atrocious. Um, and I was. It's not that I have anything against the Camaro, because the third gens are some of my favorite American cars ever made. I love the third gen Camaro. Well, I mean, it's it's always been a performance bargain. Yeah, just it, like the Corvette, but in a different way. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know. It's these newer ones. They, they just I, they don't do it for me, you know. 
Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Especially, I mean, this. I don't know if this is technically construed as a facelift or a new body. It, it's style. it's a facelift because everything behind the B pillar looks like it's the same, okay, with the exception of the tail lights yeah. that now look like they came off of a Malibu. Yeah, right. Which I guess is good for continuity of GM brands, but also makes the Camaro look like well. A Malibu. A Malibu. Yeah, right. which is not something you that's, want. That's to, not something we say as it's, praise. It's not a desirable attribute. No. Um, I, just, I don't understand why they need to try to reinvent the wheel with their styling. My thing, I feel like if they, if they... I would like this car a lot more if they dropped the belt line down. Because as you see with cars like the Elantras and the e, the Evos and the Impresas and everything, yeah. you you don't have to have a super-duper tall belt line to be able to pass the safety in anything. Right, they've kind of engineered around that. Yeah, it, steel and it's just, it, it's like, it's entirely an aesthetic decision at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a becoming aesthetic, uh, really. No. It's, it, I don't know, I, maybe there's somebody out there that thinks it looks really cool. I mean, at first, when they first came out, I'm like, oh, it's cool. It looks like a Hot Wheels. That's a great concept. And I see it in real life. And I'm like, ooh, they kept it like that? Mm. But so. I mean, keep in mind, I mean, the target demographic for that vehicle isn't that far off from, like, us, really. Yeah. So, like, well, especially with the four-cylinder turbo. Right. Which, I mean, that, that's the thing is, like, I feel like if you added, if you dropped the belt line on this two inches, added two inches of pillar, not only would that look a lot cooler and a lot closer to the original mm-hmm. Camaro, which is kind of the look they're trying to go with with these, it would make it have better visibility. It would cut weight. It would. There's no downside to that. Right. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, yeah, there must be some reason why they did it. I mean, it is, it, it's, it is, it is, it is an aesthetic car. thing. So that, it might be limited by you know H point on the ATS platform. No, it, it is actually an aesthetic thing because okay. they they could pass safety for. You know, doing it in a rollover, which is a right. lot of reason, or side impact. Side impact. Which is, it, yeah. for a while, why the high uh, belt line was a thing. But, I mean, it's kind of like the 300C, where they just have a high belt line for the sake of having a high belt line. Like, they, I guess they want their cars to look like a Hiro, the Hirohata Mercury from the 1950s, <laughs> which looks cool. Man, that's obscure. But, I mean, like, well, the Hirohata Mercury is one of those old lead sled, you know, like chop top Fords in the fifties, but these um, post war. It yeah, the, the it, it doesn't really. I, I I don't think it works. I don't think so either. I mean, it, it's I think it's well proportioned, but they could have done better. I think it's it's well proportioned up to the top of the wheel well, and then everything after that. Uh, that well, and I think the front roof. to back it is too. The what? I think front to back it is too. Well, yeah, no, I mean like from the side profile. I mean front to back it looks great. Right. But it's that side profile that gets me. It's the visibility that gets me. It's the weight. The they, I end. mean, it is quite a bit lighter than, oh, goodness, than when yeah. they first... Like, when they transitioned the yeah. platform a couple of years ago, that car lost a ton of when weight. When they brought there. it back, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, when, when they first brought it back, it was just a heavy pig. But now it's gotten a lot better, which is a good thing. Agreed. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's, it, there's nothing against Camaros. I know a lot... Uh, we have had a couple of people that want us to talk more about American cars and not just, it's like, just making Tucker. fun of... Let's not beat around the bush. Well, Balto. But, I mean, like... Balto wanted us to talk about American cars? He mentioned cars? that to me. Uh, but, um... Who, who, that was me. Yeah, that was that my was laptop. <laughs> well, we were just playing Enya on a multiplexer, so... I had to... So, I'm going to go Whoops. ahead and turn off my computer, too, so... <laughs> I'm guessing Enya every device noise. on the table here now has is... probably got the volume on. Yeah, so we should definitely turn those off. But, no, I mean, we... we from 
time to time we will talk about American cars, and yeah, they're not not all of them are terrible. I mean, we like to make fun of. I mean, they're they're right. just there's such a low hanging fruit like stuff like oh. the W body. It's just so you can't not. I was talking to a couple of techs yesterday on uh, Ford's well Ford and Mazda's MZR engine that four cylinder. Yeah, that's like, like not. Uh, it, yeah, I mean even like the engine in your Mazda. Yeah, that's like, MZR. I like it. Yeah, it's great. But if you ever have to change timing components on that, that's there's a, there's no key on the crank. I know. So you have to, there's like diamond coated friction washers that hold the timing components in place. And if you take off the timing case, you need to buy specialty tools, which they won't sell you. Yeah. To retime it. Well, you see, that's the thing. When my timing chain goes on the van, I'm either going to buy a new engine or pay somebody to do it. And right. I don't like paying people to do it, so I'll likely just be a new engine. And I doubt it'll go bad. I mean, the timing components really don't fail on those terribly often. Just, but if there's a working at a, working at a Working at a Volkswagen shop, I always have like a nightmare scenario of the timing chain going out. Well, uh, last I know time it's not I checked, too you haven't TSI swapped your van. No, I've not. <laughs> I don't intend to. Good. But no, I mean, like there, there are cool American cars out there. Um, I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind, just because it's like a weird thing, Cosworth Vega is super cool. But, um, I mean, we, we can just, we'll talk about it from time to time. I mean, my lord, man. <laughs> I mean, so obscure. Malta was talking about, I mean, Tesla's an American car. Those are, I mean, they're. We talk about those all the time. Yeah, we do. And we say great things about them. They're mm-hmm. a fantastic company. I love Tesla. I, they, yes, I, on the whole, I like Tesla. But one of the things I do like about American cars, especially when people modify them, is they, like, those, like, say, like, oh, I did my basics, my intake, my header exhaust, and right. I, like, I put a different carburetor on, or I I-H-E, put on... you're right. Yeah, but, I mean, instead of having to do, like, the thing that's, like, so common with, oh, like, GDM. the import community... No, no, I'm talking about, like, the... The import community, like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, I just stage 20, you dribble swap. Like, it, well, <sighs> even on, like, even Volkswagen and stuff, and even BMWs to a certain extent now with all the tuners out in the field. Yeah. But, yeah, I, that is a pet peeve of mine when yes. you measure a performance upgrade with a <laughs> stage. <laughs> oh, God. Because there's no consistent across-the-board definition for of a stage. stage. It, 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 it's like, just, oh, yeah, man, my GTI is stage 2+. plus. I'm like, cool. You gotta, go, you gotta go jump on Cobb's website and say, Oh, okay. Oh, no, it wasn't Cobb. It was an MHD. I just well, I, I stopped caring. Well, the, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like <laughs> that whole stage thing doesn't really work because even within models, mm-hmm. like if you're trying to go off like one single benchmark for what a stage is, right. like even if you go on Cobb's website and you look at what their stages are, right. it's different from one car to another. And it varies with supporting modification too. I mean, granted, a lot of times when you do a stage performance modification on like a tune they do require you to have certain sporting modifications which makes sense right. that does but i mean even then that will vary from from one car to another so but i just hate it man especially with the proliferation of um, a lot of these no-name chinese brand companies yes i'm not really hating on their product because it is getting much better but i mean they are getting on well, the bandwagon of the stage name it's like go on ebay by like a stage four ceramic clutch i'm like that means nothing well with with clutches i can understand that but i mean like when you just say it across an entire model like if i say so like my mazda 5 i guess technically it'd be a stage one because i have an i have a drop in air filter ooh, and some fancy brake pads i guess nice yeah so I guess that's a stage. So well, I, guess, I mean, that, I would call I that fully sta- built. Stage one Mazda five. No, dude, that's but, fully built. <laughs> fully built with stock I, everything. I've seen, I've seen some online posts. I'm pretty sure it's fully built. <laughs> but I mean, I, don't know, I, I, I just kind of like with the Honda community for all, the longest. Like, well, actually, historically, never they've they've said that like a car is a stage because you can't really 
have a stage right. with a Honda because I would say, well, I've got a D series, but I did intake header and exhaust, right. which you would know. Right. But if I say, oh, my Integra Stage Three, well, is that just like fat cams? Is that a turbo? Or is it did like you a put motor it, swap? Did you put an H22 in it? Does it have Integra cams? What, what, what's going on? I don't get it. Well, what's happening? Like, <laughs> no, my, my Stage 4 short block has a Stage 6 head, and it's got some Stage 2 Skunk 2 cams on it. So, and then at that point, you have to do the math and go say, so is that a Stage 3.2? Yeah, because it, it averages out. Yeah, it averages mm-hmm. out to a three point two. But I think it's the mean. That's <laughs> the mean stage. But I mean, like, I, I can understand, like, if a manufacturer makes multiple versions, some that are more streetable than others. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm just gonna use the um, the cam that I have in my Civic. Okay, my Civic camshaft and my is technically a Crower Stage Two. Okay. Because the stage one and stage two are streetable cams, three and four, but are and they, X are not. Are the camshafts sold to be supporting of a, like a modification package? Yeah, so you okay. would you would get well, you, you have to because whenever you have a cam, you have to have a matching valve spring. Right. So the valve and springs, that makes sense. yeah. It's, so, so that's where stage makes sense. But if you're doing like, if you have a say a Subaru, because I, I just know Subaru people are the most notorious for this. I have a Subaru. I just not like this. But Subaru people notoriously say, oh, I'm stage two. Oh, what's that? It's a cob access port. It's a drop-in air filter or a, a cone air filter on a stock, everything else. Got to love with, cone air intake. With a uh, downpipe. No, wait, I think a downpipe is stage three. And then an exhaust. But, I mean, like, it's still, that's the thing is you have to think about that. Whereas, in, I've, well, instead of me saying, like, hey, I got Civic, I got cam, uh, valve train components, intake header exhaust. Right. You know what I have. All right. It makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And it, I, I it's prefer, a couple more words, and it's a lot less of a pain in the ass. But you're almost always saying this from a car enthusiast to a car enthusiast, and they're going to want to know the details. They yeah, don't want to exactly. know what price package you, ba- you paid on the internet for your tune or whatever. Exactly. They don't no, care. That's, that's entirely true. Um, yeah, I've never met a car enthusiast that goes, oh, okay, cool. It's Crow Search 3. Like, even within Super People, like, most of the time, they're like, Oh, you get crower, or what'd you do? Like, what what all do you have what on cams that? You like, have in there? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I mean, usually not cams on What service, kind of head gaskets like... you got in there? Right? <laughs> Are they stage five head gaskets. <laughs> oh, they're real good. Yeah, so yeah, you you, you get it. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that is I'm, just a annoying. I wish that would go away. I mean, it, for it, something yeah. where you're you're selling individual parts of a performance package that you sell, and you want to make sure that people buy the right ones for the right package. Exactly, or fine. you want people to understand, like, but give it a product name. Or what something. level it's on, right. well, and yeah, and that's the thing, and the, it, yeah, so it's just you need to give it a product name. That's I that's agree. the basics that's of it. Just, uh, and again, I understand. I'm not necessarily the microcosm of the car enthusiast community, but I mean. I still think that that is overused, and it, it, just, really it doesn't have enough of a, an identity on its own to really you, make a difference or matter. Yeah, no, it's um, like when you're using, or it's like when you're writing a paper or something, mm-hmm. and you use a proverb instead of an actual verb. Why would you use the not, book not of proverb, a Bible? not proverb, um, uh, a pronoun instead of a noun? Sorry. I was gonna say, I'm like, if you're using Bible passages in that, you're not gonna. No, if you're using it. a if you use a pronoun seven noun, mm. and then you say that boy I'm as opposed stage to two nouns. Yeah, exactly. Like if you say like that boy instead of Corey, that boy. Somebody knows who Corey is. Somebody doesn't. But if you say that boy, it could be any 
<laughs> younger male of the human race, likely. <laughs> Yeah. Or a good dog, like one of the two. Like, or even a yeah. cat. Yeah, really? you don't know. So anyway, oh. that is a tangent on a no, tangent. That's so. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. That's definitely more common in the import community than it is in domestics. So, so yes, that is definitely that. Um, now, we are recording uh, in your motorplex unit, right. which is where we conveniently record. is actually very well appointed. Thank goodness. Oh, my God. Because we're sleeping here tonight. Yes, because we literally (laughs) cannot get out. Corey's, uh, he had walked here. Burger, your car is high-centered. My car is perfectly fine. I drove it in. Yeah. (laughs) But it took some doing. Yes, it is. And there's knee-high snow out there. There's knee-high snow, and my van is completely surrounded by about three feet of perfectly smooth, smooth ice. And then three feet of snow. So we're all kind of stuck. Um, Nature's trying to do some arrow mods to the van. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so with this, mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, this is pretty close to your dream garage. It is, which is, I mean, I, it, this isn't mine. I don't own it, but yeah. I, I have basically exclusive use of it, which is yeah. great. And yeah, I definitely had some influence. And, you know, when this one came up and it was technically an option, I'm like, you really, we need this. I mean, this is perfect. Yeah, exactly. This, we're, we... For people that haven't been here, which is probably everyone, <laughs> it's a uh, twenty-five by fifty, just you know, regular foot. foot yes, yes. <laughs> um, just uh, steel roof structure with sheetrock walls, steel studs behind them. Two enormous garage doors on either of the short ends, and it's the size of a large apartment. Like this is, is. this has except it has eighteen foot ceilings. How many square feet is this? Uh, do the math, 25 by 50. I don't want to do the math. Well, but then we will never know. It is, but it's, it's, it's enough not, for eight cars easily Yeah, this is, I, I, this definitely has more square footage than my house. Uh, yeah, this, it's about the same finished as, square footage as, as yours, my house. Yeah. Twice as expensive, but it is what it is. <laughs> anyway, but there's a mezzanine in the middle, and that's where we, we do the podcast. Exactly. On a large table upstairs. It, it's actually, it's very convenient. So. Yeah, no, it's a great spot for it. So this we kind of lucked out. No, it's, it's basically it, it's like a perfect garage. I mean, if it, so, I guess the, I mean, what would you do to make this more yours? I know what I well, would. Well, I and that's kind of a dilemma I'm facing right now. Would we replace this mobile sign with a I'm golf sign? Not taking the Pegasus down. We paid good money for that sign, but I do. Okay, so again, this is an audio podcast. So the walls right now, uh, there's one side that has two large windows in it. And mm-hmm. it's just painted kind of a dark brown. The other side is hand-painted brick. And it has a, like, 10-foot-tall mobile Pegasus neon sign on it on one side. But there's still, like, 40 feet of span that doesn't currently have anything on it. Yes. The previous unit owner had a bunch of neon signs. And I really liked that. So I just actually placed an order for an 8-foot by 4-foot. And this is going to be tacky. I know. It's fine. Whatever. Deal with it. Ferrari sign. Of course, of course, it's gonna be a Ferrari. It was like fifty five hundred bucks. I lowballed them on eBay. Hopefully, it doesn't arrive broken. But I think on the brick wall, I'd like to do more neons. Neons would be great. On the painted walls, I would like to do just large format printings of car stuff. I would if I had this garage. Yes, you should get a neon. I could get like a neon Renault sign. I I know a guy in Northeast that can make some neon Renault Twingo signs in all the correct coloring and everything. I mean, 
the world's your oyster when money is. <laughs> I, anyway, sure, yeah, maybe. But I, I bought a bunch of just like those cheap three by five car brand flags to hang up on. I the, saw those on the ceiling. Yeah, I think that'll help a lot. It'll also help cut down the echo just a tiny bit. A little bit, yeah. Which isn't really a problem now that we've figured out. Sorry, I have figured out <laughs> that the microphones have a specific orientation they need to be in to capture our voice properly. Which is probably why I've noticed episodes four and above sound considerably better. Yes, and I don't move around nearly as much as I'm actually strapped to my chair in place, which yeah, is no, he's, to the he, ground. So he's like a leather-bound book, but just him in a chair instead yeah, of being Yeah, and then, book. yeah, because I'm, I'm actually really loud in real life, so we have to account for that, and then I move around a lot. So normally I'm bouncing around like a Super Bowl, and it's just like my microphone's in one place. Just thank goodness we have a mixer, because <laughs> our settings are quite different yes to make it even (laughs) (laughs) it is wildly different Um, but anyway to answer your question i mean it's it's already kind of finished at least the mezzanine and the walls how somebody else had it but we like that style we still want to make it our own so i think a combination of more neon signs and a bunch of i want to get uh some large format like DTM photos of E30 M3s printed up That'd for be the great. side. I've I think got a graphic shop in house. So on the side, we should also put up some steel boards and that are like painted black and have kind of like a cool wall like that on top here. And then like people's answers to our questions when we interview people. Well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be right and wrong answers. <laughs> yeah, to pretty much exactly. all of our questions. Yeah, there's a right and a wrong. We're not one of those uh, helicopter parents or teachers or something like that where every answer is important <laughs> like no we will call you yeah and we, we will have a ranking system based on our personal likes completely subjective but <laughs> exactly that's you don't like it, you can get it so i mean as far as cars is as it's a car garage i mean yeah. you're gonna put your ferrari likely into it yep so i'll and bring my the, 355 down here once uh we stop getting massive amounts of snow and then probably the one the in the eight series eight eight fifty i'll probably live down here most of the time and then the one m yep. and then and maybe the red m3 yeah that'd look good plus they're all mostly red the one in it's right. orange but mm-hmm. yeah and I, i'm guessing the sl once that's fixed will be down here that's red oh you still have that yeah my dad oh. tried to total last fall, but what did he do? What did he do? He distracted driving. I don't know. He ran into somebody on ninety four. Oh, Jesus, yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but oh, that's they good. they booked a car at like twelve grand, and they booked the damage at like seven, but it was really minimal, no structural or anything. Oh, that's good. And we hold the title, so it's not even going to be a prior salvage. And there we go. The buyback on the car was sixteen hundred dollars. Oh, for a ninety seven SL six <laughs> hundred. In really good condition, so so wow. we bought it back. Yeah, of course. And it's just I've been you know amassing parts from three twenties and five hundreds to That's good. get it fixed. So it'll be done soon. I think it's all ready for paint. But yeah, that, be should, that should live here after that. It probably will. That will look. Actually, I think if you put the because you can fit. Well, you got four. You got two spaces it's pointing eight. at each each garage door. If you put the one M in the center under some different lighting, so you can't really tell as much as orange. It looked like you have nothing but really cool red European the cars. The center is kind of for hanging out. Well, you know, but yeah, no, I mean, it, sure, I'm not. I don't mind that it's orange. I know it's just me personally, but it was offered in three <laughs> colors: black, white, and orange. So they didn't have a red. Nope. No, it's weird. Nope, so Valencia orange is the correct color for that. But no, I mean, I think this is about the right size for something that if. if it were me shopping and I was buying because I I've tried over and over again. I cannot get down below eight cars. There's just eight it's, particular yeah. usage cases where you need a certain kind of car for a certain type of something. 
combine that with dream cars. Mine is five because I can't apparently have just one project car, so I need to have four project cars in the daily driver. Yeah, that's fine. It's just how I live. As long as you have a reliable daily, it's fine. Yeah, well, you know, that's been spotty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, is that what you would put if you could have any five cars? In, or eight cars, I guess, in here. Is that basically what you would have? Of then? my stable? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just sure. like, of all your cars, like, you mm-hmm. would just definitely do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean those are the ones that probably get driven the least. And then, you, I mean, you'd probably, like, in a perfect world, you know, toss in a, like, a F40 or something. Well, you know, yeah. But that, this is, but this mean, is like, of the stable and yeah. realistic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd like to have an F40 next to my <laughs> McLaren F1 and God. my M1. That would look ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, if I, if I had it, I'd probably end up. Well, I guess all my cars would live here, except for my five. It'd be really nice, because then I'd actually have a garage to use. Well, it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of far away from where I live, but, I mean, it's it's really not that bad. If you're planning for it, I mean, coming here to switch a car is just not that unreasonable. No, I mean, like, and it's one of those things, like, you have a, you have a lift here, so it's, right. you don't have to account for the amount of time it will, it'll take to get everything ready to start working on your mm-hmm. car. You can just, like, throw stuff on. Well, because yep. your other garage that you use for actually working on cars is... Out on the Minnesota Wisconsin border, which is right, which is much closer to me, yeah. but <laughs> it's still like <laughs> way out there in the sticks. So that's not usually how car enthusiasts go; they just like have their cars like stored away in the sticks, right? But I mean, I, I seriously think that a lot of people in my shoes, anyway. So car enthusiasts that are looking for an offsite area to store collector vehicles, yeah, they're okay with driving thirty-five miles. Oh, I would be, to yeah. get to their shop or something if it's a perfect fit. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's I mean, not I, not everybody can be a baller and have some like crazy nice house on Lake Minnetonka with right. like glass doors and, and that's have just it not look like an art gallery, right? Yeah, Especially no, it's for not budget car enthusiasts like myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if I had that, I would have like a Persang Bugatti next to like my my twenty fifth anniversary Countach and like a Koenig five sixty SCC wide body Mercedes and like some other fancy cars, but that's eh, just not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say some of those are on the the expensive side. Yeah, I know. When the cheapest car of that bunch is a super rare wide body '80s like ridiculous car, yeah, <laughs> I thought you would want a Z31 in there for sure. Well, I right. So if I owned this personally, mm-hmm. um, first off, all this aesthetic would be totally different. We glass brick everywhere. Lots of like tubular steel painted white, white carpets. It'd be awesome. It would look I'd white have... painted walls, white couches, real to real player on the wall. Yeah, that'd yeah. be really tight. Imagine some like some like Marcellus tropical plants. Mia Wallace's house from Pulp Fiction. That's what this place would look like. Like cross between that and like the set of Running Man. Like it would oh, just be like no. like just eighties like like neat, like eighties deco and brutalism. It'd just be awesome are you gonna rename yourself murphy yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then i'd have it, like yeah it felt like a like sponsored a, by the ocp like yeah exactly like a 50th anniversary z31 uh 300 zx on one corner and then have that next to like a like a mark ii supra and then uh you know maybe put like a rt40 corona uh but like the 1600 gt the oh yeah. the dual bird cam like race car one delicious yeah that'd be a tight car and then like next to that put i don't know like uh r30 skyline that's like black and red that'd be tight i appreciate that you have a specific taste i also yes, appreciate I do. that it's completely different than my taste <laughs> Not that I don't dis I mean I don't dislike any of those cars, but no, that's just, it's just it, not what I would pick. They're, they're all cool cars. So it's like I don't know, I have a thing for like just my thing is like 
my collector thing is 80s cars. I love them. I like the aesthetic. I think that was like the highest point for human society thus far. <laughs> well, I guess I should say at least aesthetically. Because uh, in the 80s, eh, it was socially not great. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and we've established that your inspiration room would just have a ruler in it. It so. would have a ruler in it. and it would oh, and be a having butt. A ruler, a lady's butt, and there'd be a, like a cassette player with so by peter gabriel in it and that'd be the oh one God. that that'd be it wouldn't have like ed 209 in it or whatever <laughs> no it would just have like it'd be the album that's got like sledgehammer and big there uh yeah big time and everything oh, laser disc is oh, running bad yes no now laser disc what was that one that was basically a giant floppy disc i don't recall oh god i'm blanking on the name of it but that yeah i would, I would have that video format um hmm yeah, so it would, it would be horribly tasteless, and there'd well, be I lots know. of neon, lots of neon, and but, lots of glass brick. So, all right. But would you, okay, but if you, okay, if you <laughs> had the space and it was finished like that, would you just use it for car storage, or would you multi-purpose it like we do here? I would probably, I would multi-purpose it, because I, I like the idea of car storage, but yeah. I also want to be able to, like, do something to enjoy my car, because, like, you know, most of the time when I'm working on my car, I like to sit down, take a break or something, or right. Janice is, like, with me, and she wants to take a break, too, and I want to have it be, like, kind of, like, comfy. Uh, so, no, I like this whole center place. Like, yeah, I would totally have, like, an awesome, like, 80s surround sound stereo, some white carpets, which I would ruin immediately. So, no, not white carpets, gray. Um, <laughs> no, it's got to be white, man. I have a white couch. That way I know I'm not sitting in oil. Um, but gray carpet, all the cocaine's going to be visible. That's true, but that's why I have the white couch. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> These are not things. But no, I would, I would use it for car storage. This is the thing. I'd open it up so like for like uh, cars and caves or whatever the new version of cars and coffee happens here is. Yeah. And people would walk by and go, oh, yes, the 80s are happening. Well, a couple of people would say that. And Everyone else would be like, oh, oh. And, then, and then one month, you know what I would do? What? I'd clear out all of my cars. I'd get a mint version of every day we would come to the United States. I would get, <laughs> I would get a Lano Sport. I would get a Nubria Wagon. Nubira. A n- Nubira? Mm-hmm. N- a n- Nubira. Why are we mad? Who cares? Nobody, nobody's no, getting... no, no. You're talking about Daewoo. This is important. Yes, this is, this is very important. Lanos, Laganza, Nubira. I would get a Laganza for sure. And then I have to find a fourth one because there's four spots. Oh, well, we could probably, there's probably like a couple body styles of something. I'd probably get a Nubira and then a Nubira wagon, I guess. Oh, yeah. Nubira wagon. But it'd be like the best trim level of each one in like flawless condition. And then one day during the show, just open up my garages, and suddenly it's Daewoo City. I'd Do like you have any replace... idea how hard it would be to find large-scale like Daewoo neon signs? I would have to make them. I would have to make them, but <laughs> I absolutely would have. I would totally have a big-ass Daewoo neon sign. You'd have to like, adjust sign. the lighting, too, to make sure that you got spotlights on all your Daewoo. Oh, yeah. It would be like super dark, and I'd just have like oh, yeah. one spotlight on the Daewoo. And people I'm were, like, picturing the same thing. It would be like, you know when you were gifted a car in Gran Turismo 4? Yeah, for a life just like that. Yes, it'd be just like that, and it's like, bam, <laughs> Daewoolanos, <laughs> the best car in the world. And wow. then, like, have like the name of like the paint color and everything. Oh god, I feel like it'd be better. I mean, this would require unlimited money, but like, buy a successful race team or something, and go down to Coda with them, and like, do. Everything except the last stint of the race in your race car, and then just like 
flash mob out the <laughs> sophisticated high tech garage with all the race cars and just open it up with like some beat up crappy Lanoses, clapped with some out and some AutoZone tool cards, <laughs> and then just go do the last stint in your Laganza. It'd be perfect. Ah. Uh, I think people would really get a kick out of that. Also, they would ban you from the series, but it'd be worth it. <laughs> so I think uh, every year that we record on June 30th, I'm going to remind everybody that on June 30th of the year 2000, Super Street featured a Daewoo Lanos from Australia with a supercharger on it, and it ran like a 15-second quarter mile. <laughs> I'm just going to remind everybody of that forever. <laughs> okay. Because I think that that car... <laughs> It's wow. like everything everybody's ever made fun of about imports. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, congrats. You're on 15s, bro. All right. So uh, this, that's okay. enough about Daewoo's and my tasteless obsession with the 80s and 80s cars. Fair enough. I guess we um, can move on to more modern also, topics then. note. Yeah. I did not have a single car in that that was made prior to World War II. Even that Bugatti Type 35 was made recently. I know. It's because it's a Persang car. Yeah, which is awesome. So... We'll talk about Persang later. Yeah, basically, that's going to be a little more of the time. Yeah, I think. B- basically, they they recreate perfect recreations of classic cars. So sounds good. Oh, uh, let's right. move on to Patreon. Yeah, for sure. So Patreon topic again. We've got a lot of really good stuff here. Um, if you want to participate and give us questions, just head over to our Patreon Motor Cult and uh, sign up for the second cheapest level, and that will give you access to this. But our question today is the best enthusiast performance off-road SUV or truck option. And for this, we are excluding. Pardon me, we're excluding crossovers. Well, we're not excluding them. We're going to include them and just not talk about them because there aren't any. That's true. Because we determined already that there is no such thing as an enthusiast. No, it, it, yeah, no, we will absolutely include the hell out of one. So, the second I see a enthusiast crossover that is not basic. It's an oxymoron. Yeah, it, that, that's not just having to choose between. Basically, yeah, it, I would like a. Can we see what's what, 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 what's everybody doing here? Why is everybody looking at me like that? All right, it's enough <laughs> about crossovers. Crossovers, yes. there, there is not a single enthusiast, and there, there no. never will, but and I will stand by that. We're talking, like, trucks. Yes. Not necessarily so, body on frame, but full size. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool ones. I mean, my... Those my, vehicles have a purpose, so I think there is an enthusiast group around them. Yes, there, there are. And what, well, even that, I mean, there's still a lot of really cool ones. I mean, like, look at, like, the Toyota Land Cruiser mm-hmm. or the Nissan Patrol. Because, I mean, in Abu Dhabi, in the UAE, they have all those uh, Nissan Patrols that do, like, well, those have been 2,000 horsepower. And those are, like, yeah, sand drag race racing. patrols. Well, no, the sand, dra- sand drags. They do that on sand. Right, but they're not built for articulation and off-roading like a lot no, of No, but, I mean, it's still an SUV. It's, I mean, but, I mean, all right, so, anyway, uh, okay, Land so Cruisers are perfect examples. It is, but for a specific kind of thing, I guess we're, we're going branching out to all topics. So, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would say a Land Cruiser is a really good one, um, but I would probably group the Patrol into the same group of people. Yes. It's, they're buying them for the same reasons. Yes. Um, for me, I would pick like a Mercedes Galandewagen, so a W463 or something like that. The G-Wagon. G-Wagon. Yeah. yeah. The early ones, especially, are, they're like well, more utilitarian? or Sure. I would probably aim for a 2002 500, just for the cheapest modern-bodied one, but they're still... 25 grand for like a 200,000 mile example. It's just I would take any one. I love G-Wagons. I like them too. I actually have a particular soft spot for the early 90s ones because yes. they have like the W124 S interiors in them. And if you had one with a soft top, even cooler. 
yeah, it's a pain to put up and down, but it would be worth it. I have and you got a lot of two in my life, but they're really cool. Nineties Mercedes straight six options in those two, which were which are as we know primo and a lot of manual options, which yes, is good. I love if manual. I bought that uh, two thousand two five hundred, I'd have to put a crossfire trans in it. I would. I would probably say if I had to get a modern one, yeah, I'd want to get the stupid V twelve G sixty five AMG. Oh, because. I, it's got to be twelve. I don't. I don't, I don't care. It, it sucks. I get it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. It's it's the one I would buy too. But I'll talk about. All right, I got it, something. It's just yeah. I have something to say about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, but no, I mean like it, unless you outside of Mercedes and uh, the Land Cruisers and the Patrols, there's also other ones that a lot of people don't think about. Um, the Suzuki Samurai. I mean, everybody. People forget about that. And the Daihatsu Rocky. Yes, the, the Daihatsu. Every time <laughs> I have never not seen a Dahatsu Rocky and then freak out in the car, wake up Jan and have her screaming because she was taking a nap, which actually seems to have happened every single time. I think I've actually been <laughs> privy to a situation like that. Before. Every single time I see one, I, I shake her. I'm like, Jan, it's a Dahatsu Rocky! Oh my and then God! she's upset for a split second and like, oh, that is a Dahatsu Rocky. Yeah, it, yeah <laughs> it makes everything better. Um, Suzuki also makes another really cool one that we don't get. I mean, well, we got it for about five minutes before the Samurai came out, mm-hmm. but they still make it today. It's called Suzuki Jimny. Which is arguably the worst name so for a truck. Did you mispronounce Jimmy or no, is it actually J-I-M-N-Y, Jiminy? Jimmy Crickets. So it's like a Jimmy Chimney. Yeah, it's really it's a terrible a really name. It's a name. it's a really awful name. But it has a two stroke two cylinder that makes like fifty horsepower and the way it's geared it'll drive up anything. Okay, is this a Japanese market car? Yes. Okay. Well we did get them for a little bit, but it's shockingly shockingly it's like that. Nobody bought it. I <laughs> I know, I'm right? I'm stunned to hear that we ever got that in North America. Oh, uh, yeah. It was. It did not sell well. I've seen, like, two in my life for sale, <laughs> like, on Craigslist, even. Well, I mean, so I'm noticing a pattern here. It seems like it's mostly people that are buying something that's a little more utilitarian for off-road use. Yeah. But, I mean, if we're going to do that, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, like, the crowd around Jeep Wranglers is very enthusiastic. Well, they like to think they are. No, but they are. I mean, those I mean there people, are some. Those yeah. people spend more money on modification and customization than anybody else. Than anyone ever. else. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I, I will give them that. I, will, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't discount the Wrangler community because they do a lot of cool things. And hmm. even with that, like XJ Cherokees, for sure, another yeah. great enthusiast car. And then you have the you have the the four two uh, straight six, which is a great engine. You're talking the Toyota four two. No, the Jeep AMC. Well, AMC. No, the four, the four. I'm sorry, the four two is the AMC. I'm sorry, yeah, the four liter. That that's a great engine. Well, it's it's very reliable. It's, it has good torque. Yeah, it's and that's not exactly necessarily a great engine. I would say I would say for what it does for four straight for sixes and for how long that lasted, that was a great engine. In '84, it was a great engine. Well, yeah, in 2002 or whenever they canned it finally. Yeah, it was it wasn't really that the best was at that point. Pretty long in the tooth, although much better than the 3.7 that replaced it. Yeah, so I, w- I would take that any day over the 3.7 Pentastar but, V6. No, 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 that wasn't the Pentastar. That wasn't Pentastar the Pentastar. Oh, okay, no, the 3.7 was a single overhead cam like van engine. Ooh, it was terrible. That's not good. And then it was replaced by the 3.8, which was actually a van engine, and then the Pentastar, which is a 3.6, which is awesome. Ooh, Pentastar okay. is the way to go. Uh, I don't know. Eco that. diesel then straight straight six is the way to go. Give me the VM Matoria three liter. V6 no, I'll, I mean, I'll do the straight six. But uh, there is actually one that a lot of people don't even know existed. 
but it was called the La Forza in uh, the United States. Uh, Europe, it was the Rayton Fissore Magnum. But those are really cool because they, they looked I've like... I've never heard of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen a couple in my life. They're, every time I have, it's been in California. But basically, Weird. it looks kind of like an Isuzu, like, not quite Trooper, but like an Isuzu Rodeo. Okay. But, like, more Italian-looking because it was Italian. I of an Isuzu I want to talk about. Uh, we will talk about that because I think I know the same one you're about to talk does about. It have two doors? But yes, it does. <laughs> um, it either came, so it was made in the 80s and they finally discontinued it like a few years ago. But they never changed the body style. It looked like your quintessential SUV that you're imagining right now from the early 90s. Mm-hmm. But it oh, had. Maybe we're thinking about a different one then. This had a 5 liter V8. Hmm. Uh, so the Ford 5, five liter, the ones the that. 49? Yeah. The 302? Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, or the later ones had a LS six liter Ooh. and they had a five speed manual, which had a surprisingly high take rate on them. Nice. I bet that was probably the NV 3500 out of the silver auto. Uh, no, actually it wasn't. It was, uh, some strange, um, let's see here. Huh. It was a Peugeot, uh, Zevia Veco or Peugeot BA 10.5 five speed. Oh, of course. I know yeah. all about that transaxle. So sure. yeah, it, it was really cool. Um, that actually sounds interesting. I mean, it's got good power packages. Is it live axle? Is it- yeah, yeah, it is a live axle. Here, I have a picture of it uh, on my computer loading up. I will show it to you momentarily. God, that pink laptop's amazing. Wow. Okay, that looks like a lifted Lada mixed with a shortened caravan from the 80s. Yeah, it's like the quintessential. And it's got like taillights from like a Nissan Stanza wagon. Oh, But no. it's like actually really cool. Because like, that was when those came out, they were. They were a um, competitor, I guess, to the Rambo Lambos. Oh, the LM002. Yeah, it was like it was it like it competed with the LM002 and the Glonda that thing You just showed me looked like it was like a subcompact pricing type of. Deal. It looked like it, but it drove like a, it, it drove like crazy. But um, hmm. but no, the thing is, is that its fit and finish, like interior wise, was much yeah. closer to that of the Galanda Wagon. Hmm. So that's a really cool car nobody knows about. Yeah, I did not know about that. We got but, that here? Yeah, we got it here for like the during the Rambo Lambo craze. That's, like we got it here for a I little really bit. I really hate that term, by the way. I mean that's what it is. It's that's an LM double O two. Yeah, I mean that that that's what it is. But I mean a lot of people don't remember exactly what car that is. Alright, so fine. Oh, I, I hope those a, people don't listen to our podcast. Fine, I'll call it LM double O two then. Thank you. But um which has the most difficult to source modern vehicle tires of anything ever produced. Yeah, and same thing with rear drums. It's the only rear drum that Lamborghini ever made. Uh, so that is definitely a uh, enthusiast SUV. Absolutely. Totally yeah. un- unrealistic. V12 manual SUV, yeah. Yeah, totally unrealistic. Um, but I think the correct answer here, the only true answer, is the Zuzu Via Cross. Wait, the what? The Amigo. The Amigo? <laughs> no, I know I was it's the Cross. <laughs> I was going to say the Cross. I know, it is the Cross, but I, I knew you were going to say that, so I you went with say the Amigo, because it's a two-door Isuzu. That is a two-door. I mean, actually, those... Made around the same time. I'm probably the same platform. It was the same platform, but also a really common lowrider. The oh, good The Amigos. People are... I don't like people. <laughs> Well, no, it's because it was lightweight. They used them for cheap hoppers for like you know oh those balancing and suspension <laughs> contests. Sure. Yeah, no, they were they were super cheap. They were body and chassis, mm-hmm. and they were uh, very they were, they were really, really cheap, light, yeah. and you could easily make them really back heavy if you took the engine out. So, 
course. Yeah, and that, that's what they would use them for. But <laughs> yeah, no, the correct answer is the Isuzu V-Across. Oh, for sure, hundred I mean, percent. It's the so cool. The only thing I hate about that thing, and the only thing I hate about thing, is the four-speed automatic. Which I'm sure you could. There's yeah. got to be a, a manual you can put into it. Yeah, sure a trooper manual fine. should fit. I think they use Honda engines anyway. No, they use um, it's a Isuzu three-five. I think. Let me look. Because um, I know the the Honda Passport. Oh, it is. It's a three two or a three five. It's a six V E one. Okay. Or a six V D one, which I don't know. D what? is probably the twin cam. Uh, no, that's a three two. Oh, okay. Versus a three five, they're both twin cams. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, is also sold in China is the Isuzu Tijingang. Oh, so I would f- totally get some CDM badging from mine. <laughs> exactly. Get you're like With the Ching. What's it called? Uh, it would be the Chinglu Tianjin Gang. Oh yeah, yeah that's a I great really want name. Chingling, Chingling <laughs> the Wang Fu Hang Tuck or whatever it is. Yeah, oh, I would love to have an, uh, a Via Cross. But what's what's really cool about the Via Cross because this was made like I mean the Recaro seats. It yeah, well I mean it was really weird because this is made after the Japanese bubble economy collapsed, but it had a lot right. of cool bubble economy stuff. Like Zuzu hadn't felt it yet. <laughs> they're just like nobody told a Suzu. Nobody, like, nobody told a Suzu that they were in a recession. Is like the youngest child in a divorcing parent relationship. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't tell a Suzu. Like, <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Our country's in a recession. Let's go ahead and make a vehicle with a dual bird cam, three point five liter V six, which does not fit into any tax bracket. And then let's have thirty six different colors available and for let's it. Make it realistically seat two and have horrible yeah, visibility. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. They were so forward thinking, actually. They in 1997, they designed a vehicle made for after the recession in the United States. It was amazing. That is a, that's like a housing bubble era vehicle made ten years before it happened. Yeah, it really is. It, it was. It, it's Azuzu is such a cool company. Oh, and it was. It was a heavy pig. It was 3,900 pounds too. That's 200 pounds more than the Hunicorn. Yeah, it's, it's a very heavy vehicle. Wasn't well, I, I guess I guess compared to a lot of these trucks, that's uh, pretty light though. Didn't the later ones in like 2000 or 2001 have 20 inch wheels on them too? Or the 18? God, there was something huge for the era. But I mean, it won a lot of awards. It has a racing pedigree. Oh, man. I just love the factory Momo steering wheel and the two tone Recaro seats. Oh yeah, you you have to get it with like the red interior, red and black, yeah, yeah, the black the black and red interior, and then get one of these like yellow exteriors. Well, with the Japanese market one, they had like thirty six different colors, but like <laughs> how many tints of yellow did they offer? All right, so uh, like three. I'm not even joking. There was actually three different yellows in this which, list. Which one is better? I I don't is it banana I, yellow. Pr- yeah, let's go with that one. But nice. so all right, they made a total of eighteen hundred of these in Japan. Which is not surprising uh, that nobody bought it because they were in a recession at that point in time. But um, they made 1,800 of them, and 974 of them were silver. It's just a travesty. <laughs> so the, uh, of the other 35 colors available, there were like three, seven. I think the most here is 232 for black, and then or the runner-up after that was like... Baruchian mica. <laughs> so they had a lot of really just completely ridiculous colors. Um, oh, actually, here we go. The orange ones were the fifth most common with um, 
28 of them made. I would actually totally rock an orange one. That would be so That would cool. be, because it, it, was, it was like a metallic orange. It wasn't copper. It was orange metallic. So I guess it would be kind of like a candy orange. It would be really cool. Oh, so it's like when Dexcool gets all chunky and screws up your GM's cooling system. They also had uh, very, like, of the era names, like Empire Blue and uh. then... Damson Micah. I don't even know what color Damson is. Blue. Yeah, like I don't even know what Damson is. Rody, Radian Red. I thought it was Rodian. That was about to be really... Pantsuit Purple. A lot of these names are like super close to names of Star Wars Friends planets. Fuchsia. I wonder if they had like a thing with like LucasArts, because like half of these names are super close to Star Wars planet names. But um, <laughs> they were just... But yeah, no, it's like the majority of them were like... Like here, like... Blazed Peacock Micah. Six were made. Six. That six hundred six for an entire color. <laughs> okay. That kinda uh, reminds me when people have like a, they're at a Corvette show or something, and it's like it's one of a kind. And then you look into it, it's like, oh, it was the only one made this year in this body style with this color and option. Yeah, exactly. I'm like nobody cares. Yeah, no, it, but I mean like most of these are like just different shades of blue. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's amazing that Zuzu has not run out of money. I are they still? They are. They vehicles? they just they concentrate on large trucks as they historically oh, always have. That's true. I suppose I see those NPR flat nose trucks all over the place. Oh God, I love the Isuzu NPR. <laughs> I'm amazed that isn't your daily. Actually, I would actually know if I was to get one. I get an Isuzu Elf. I don't even know what that is. It's basically the same as NPR. Can I, can it just has a fun it? name. Elf. <laughs> uh, we should do an episode on weird Japanese n- car names. N- <laughs> we could, but I don't know if I can handle that episode. <laughs> What, don't you want me to tell you about the Mazda Bongo? <laughs> I'd rather talk about Chinese domestic market vehicle names than Japanese Another great topic. Or French domestic car names. Well, I guess, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be a great name, because actually French domestic car names would be the names of all of my children. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, I'm going to have an interesting view of your... Life of my life when yeah. I once I finally have children. It's going to be really strange. Have my my daughter named Zoe and Cleo and have a son named Dushavo. <laughs> a son named Two Horses? Yes. <laughs> no, no, not Two Horses. Two CV, Sininsky. <laughs> I don't think you can't put a number in yes, a you name. Can. You, you can. can? Yeah, it's not illegal. It should be. <laughs> it's like calling a kid an asshole. It's frowned upon, but not illegal. I actually was on a thread on Reddit yesterday at work, allegedly. And uh, it was like, things that you think are illegal, but aren't. <laughs> and there were a lot of really interesting things in there. Such as, other than like, calling a kid an it's asshole. It's totally not illegal to like wear military uniforms and like a medal of honor and not be in the military or have a medal of honor as long as you don't use it for monetary gain really or like personal gain oh that's right that's really weird right like i think if somebody were to give you something while you were doing that that'd be kind of a gray area but like stuff like that was like really I like can't that, believe that's, that's not actually illegal? illegal that's really weird like, consumption of human flesh is not illegal but you'd have to break 21 other laws to actually get to that point <laughs> 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 there were a lot of I don't I mean Reddit's a strange place obviously but there were a lot of weird things in there and that is a hell of a digression yeah that is uh, the, there's a lot of things that are just stupid that should be illegal but just are, are, are stupid yeah like in the there are things that are some things that should just be frowned upon in the car world 
um, that are like that. Uh, and of those, I'm going to use this as a segue, would be... We use the word segue too much. We do. I need to get a thesaurus and find another uh, word for that. I agree. For my uh, new, our next jumping off point. How about that? There we go. Uh, <laughs> Moving right you along. You own a 20-year-old Ferrari. That's 21. 21-year-old Ferrari. Yep. Now, this is the way you own this is normally considered the stupidest thing you can do with a car. Most stupid thing you can do with a car. Um, I think just my is, act of buying it is probably considered one of the stupidest things you could do. But basically what you did is you bought a old Italian car Correct. with no service history. Deliberately. On purpose, yes. Yeah. And historically, everybody was like, that, that's a quick way to make oh, money. Yeah. Because no, like, it was like last time at Paz Luna, we saw a guy with that uh, the bi-turbo. <laughs> and it was just a bi-turbo, and it was broken in the it middle of the so car terrible. show. He tried to start it up to leave, and it was like broken in front of him. And he had like, all of his, all of his like, faded paint and everything. Like That's what everybody thinks of. But you have modification sheet. He had like new fuel pump. <laughs> like, great. It works, kind of. <laughs> well, that's the thing with my car, though. I mean, it's... All the electronics are Bosch and Magneti Morelli. I mean, there's no like a Lucas electronics of those things. They're pretty solid, and they share a lot of parts with a lot of other makes. Yeah, work. Um, yeah. But, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I know my way around a car, and I and have it's, space it's just to bolts, do it. Isn't it's it? just bolts. Yeah, it's just bolts. It's, it's just bolts with Ferrari prancing horses printed on them that cost like $100 a piece. Yeah, so it, it's really, it's no different than fixing a right. V6 Accord or something. Where, right, it's just you, you have know. to take it apart differently. Yeah, as, that's like, as I said, a V6 Accord as opposed to a Civic. Because a Civic right. can do an engine swap in three hours. A V6, like an early V6 Accord was like a nightmare. Kind of like the Ferrari. Although, honestly, I just did that B6 um, engine swap with a couple of very competent people yesterday. And I spent as many hours on that as I did on the entire engine out of the 355. So you're saying that a B6 Avant. so it, A four-cylinder B6 Avant with a manual is as hard to work on as a Ferrari F-355. So really, what people should do is instead uh, of buying a B6 Avant, they should buy a Mondial. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get a tumor from listening to you someday. <laughs> so you, you heard it? The correct answer is buy a Mondial right, as a daily driver. Buy a Mondial, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's... To going back to what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, buying a 20 year old Ferrari that's known to need this frequent service without a service history deliberately that sounds is not intelligent. Sounds like a terrible idea. But it's also a way to pay what you want for the car you want and the spec you want without having to pay the price of it. Right. Well, that's yeah. why it goes in there paying what you want because I mean you can't have it all. Exactly. You could have a really garish color with the F1. That's been serviced but, recently. Like, I don't want that. I, no, I'd rather have a car that drives very well, but I have to right. spend 12 hours of my life right. getting it fixed. Mm-hmm. So. And that's the thing. My car is in pretty great shape. It just had, like, the service hadn't been done in six years, and it has a hole in the soft top. But oh, other than, I mean, bummer. It's, a it's, hole in the soft top yeah, on, a, on your Ferrari times. that you're going to never have up ever? I know. I bought a new soft top fa- fabric for it, but I haven't done it yet. Because um, it's been up three times since I bought it in 2015. But no, it's it's been great. I mean, I did that engine out maybe three months after I brought it home, and it cost $3,500 in parts to like completely do it, including new exhaust manifolds, which is a big thing in those cars. And it's been super solid. I mean, I got kind of ripped on the Ferrari forum for not using like Ferrari specialty tools to do it, but it's a car. There are timing belts. It's bolts. I can figure it out. Like, the specs for tension are pretty much the same on, like, 
ball bearings, belts, and pulleys. I feel like that. That's. I feel like that's something that happens more with cars like that, like, like your Ferrari. Like I would never. I've never seen anybody ever in history be ripped for not using like a Subaru factory tool to do it, like a timing chain like, or oh something, God, used, or a timing you belt. You used a Deco serpentine belt. Yeah, like, the OE was Mitsuboshi, and I'm keeping on bringing that up because I like the name. <laughs> it's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like, um, like, I guess that does happen. I guess like just in like the import car world, it's just like what kind of aftermarket part do you put on? Right. Yeah. But I mean, so. just like people like attacking how you choose to do this job, like the way you do it is like something I'm not familiar with. But Ferrari owners are horrible people. I mean, shocking. They're, they're really like awful people. That's really which shocking. Which is why I don't like join any of their groups, and I usually like drive my car in areas that aren't as populated. Because you don't want to look like a douchebag. I just want to enjoy my car. You just happen to like the car, not the people that go. The with amount it. of people that know me that know I have a three fifty five is not huge. Yeah, no, it's one of those things that you're like in the closet about owning a Ferrari. Exactly. Like, oh, hey, look over here. It's my electric Fiat. It's like, look at me. I was actually able to find a dream car in a pri- my dream car mm-hmm. in a price range that I could afford at a age below fifty. Right. This is shocking. Right. It, just it doesn't. It doesn't compute. It, it is pure luck that you got that car. Really. Much. Yeah. Because you got a hell of a deal on it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I paid fifty grand for it. Good God, that's a lot of car for fifty grand. I know. I mean, granted, it needed the service. That's and like it's not perfect. That's like I mean, me finding an R thirty two for like fifteen. I mean, it's like a seventy three thousand dollar car now. So yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great up, way. It's yeah, yeah. It's only going up. Yeah, I've, especially now that I have documented service under its belt, and I'll have to do it again in a couple of years. Oh my god! My uncle has a ninety five Berlinetta, and I'll be doing the engine out on that. Is he a terrible person? No, he's a fabulous person. So he doesn't really kind of fit the bill. I talked him into buying it. So. Oh, okay. So he he wasn't one of those guys that goes like, "Yeah, Ferrari, bro." He's like, "Oh, no. I own a Ferrari now." He's like me, but has basically unlimited wealth and is of the age and has the space where he could do it. You know, if I had if I had unlimited wealth, I'd basically own a bunch of pre war cars and just stupid shit. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it'd just be nothing but 80s cars and pre-war the only thing i like about pre-war stuff is the cylinder count on most of those things like v12s everywhere v12s v16 really like straight anymore. eights right. like those are really cool I, straight eights we really don't I, see. I just i find them i just think that they're interesting because like they were doing stuff that we just like use a computer for these days right but mechanically <laughs> <laughs> i think it's just really interesting yeah i would have loved to have seen somebody like Lay out the blueprints for like a crankshaft with all the specifications on like a drafting table. That's literally what they would do. I know. Well, it's like, um, and it was just as good. Well, you know how like we like flip our shit over like four wheel carbon ceramic disc brakes, like dual calipers and stuff. In like 1919, people were doing that over saying, Wait, you have four wheel drum brakes? I know. They, no way. And like, everybody, they were how many inches in diameter? Yeah, it's a four inch drum. What? <laughs> It has 200 horsepower? Yeah, like that's actually, yeah, that was like... Out of only 40 liters? That was mind-blowing. Well, well, I think it's... um, Well, I guess Duesenbergs are like 280 or something, which is pretty... Like, until like the 50s, that was a huge amount of power. Um, But no, like, uh, like really, really pre-war, like pre-World War One, the Mercer race about, like, they didn't even have front brakes... Because they couldn't figure out how to make... If it doesn't have a tiller for steering, I don't care. I think it did. <laughs> no, then I do care a little bit. But uh, like they didn't even have front brakes because they couldn't, they couldn't find a way to have reliable brake cables that would go Oh, yeah, that. up and, until... I mean, hydraulic brakes weren't a thing until the early 30s. 
No, it wasn't. It was all like levers and yeah, cables. Yeah. Like it was like unbelievable. The, the first alloy wheel ever was like in the nineteen twenties made by a Bugatti. And like yeah. like Bugatti had to have an alloy wheel and nobody before that had that and it blew everybody away because he actually like wouldn't lose control mm-hmm. after hitting the smallest bump because right. a steel wheel back then was like a 50 pound wheel because they're like 28 oh, sure. inches yeah. they're 28 inches and two inches wide <laughs> we should just like if we ever develop a time machine we just need to like print up a bunch of dub stickers and like mail them back in time because like every car would have these like dub 26 stickers on it oh my god <laughs> I, I remember once i was at a um as a back to the fifties? No, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was Carcraft. Okay. And uh, I was sitting Which in line. We talked about with Balto, future yes, side of Street Heat yep. twenty eighteen. It is. I was uh, in line to get some cheese curds with my dad, and uh, there's this guy behind us that was talking about with his buddy about like this car that had like something twenty four inch wheels. Whoa! And the guy behind him said, "Oh, I've got twenty four inch wheels in my car." And the guy's like, "This is also like two thousand four, two thousand five. And guy's like, "Oh, sick! What car are you driving?" He goes, oh, I've got the 1927 Duesenberg SJ over there. <laughs> the guy's like, what? A what? <laughs> well, it's a Duesenberg. Can I listen to, can I listen to Limp Biscuit in that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's enough pre-war because Burger looks like he's going to kill himself. Um, <sighs> we didn't mention it last time. I had to. Limp Biscuit, <laughs> friggin' Duesenberg. I wouldn't you listen. Had to mention that. No, it's just like eating at your soul. Well, Duesenberg, yes. <laughs> had I not, not mentioned Biscuit. that you skipped the pre-war reference between these two episodes, would you have even done it? Ah, uh, probably not. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> you what I thought. Would, you would have just dealt with like the only, my saying Bugatti reference. Just, the only thing pre-war <laughs> I like was the big engines. Ah, there's so much more cool stuff though. I mean, I like I'll open your eyes and meteors, and I will open your eyes to cool pre-war stuff because there's so much care. cool shit. The only time I look at that stuff is when I'm at the Hawk Vintage at Road America, and there's the pre-war class, which is the coolest racing class because it's everybody's very close to killing themselves going oh, yeah. at very I slow speeds. I have tremendous respect for the people that can wheel those machines. That's why I'm so excited by them. But I, don't I think like it's them. so cool. Um, speaking of pre-war, and the one thing you like is the tremendous engines. And that's what I want to talk about, because you brought up the G65 <sighs> earlier, and, and the Mercedes. worst news on Earth. Actually, oh, you know about the world, the world is ending. Uh, no, I found this out. Um, okay. I was, I actually, I was sitting at work, um, and I was on my computer waiting for my software, for my inventory to load back up, because I just crashed. <laughs> and I go on roadandtrack.com, and I gasped, because... Mercedes is killing their V12. Yeah, they're finally done with it. Which is terrible. But the thing that's really particularly bad about this, uh, a lot of supercar startups use that engine. And that's like... But a couple do. That's like the modular supercar engine. Well, it's one of like uh, two, three, I think three manufacturers in the world that still make like a production V12. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's like, it's the, it's the most common and reliable. Right. Uh, But I mean, that'll just force Pagani to develop their own, or I mean, I'm sure Mercedes will still keep making that design engine, the 65 engine for Pagani. I don't know, man. But I mean, like that, the M120 engine, I'm just trying to see if I can. That's in the Zondas. Yeah. Oh, is it? All right. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like, I the just sixty-five w- engine right now. I think is like an M one twenty-seven or something. I don't really remember, but but yeah, a lot of those um, early 
or not really, but a lot of those startup super supercar companies use yeah. that engine. That's that's what worries me the most because it's such a it, that starts so many cool cars like that can then go into production. So that's kind of why. Right, I'm, but there's still a Ferrari, Lamborghini. I guess. Uh, I think Volkswagen Auto Group still makes a V12, but I think no, it's, they make a W12, which is no. I was talking about their TDI. I think they still make that engine. Do they? I think so. I would love to see a V12 TDI supercar. That would be cool. That'd, That'd be, be really cool. Way better he, than putting it in the Q7. Yep. I mean, it's not a great engine, but no, it's not. Great. It, it's just it's a hilarious thing. It's I'm glad I like it. I like that engine for the same reason I like pre-war cars. I like that engine. I like for the it because it's I stupid. Hate 2.0 T's. I, I, I just like it because it's a big stupid engine that does not need to exist. Right. Like, oh, I want a diesel because it's efficient, but I also want it to be a six-liter V12, so it's not that efficient. But yeah, I want exactly. All of the torque. <laughs> if that could be happenable, that would be good. Yeah. No, I'm. I mean, we've had several mercedes v12 cars we still have that sl i talked about earlier Man, that's that's a, a great car, car. It's, yeah. yeah it's a great i've not driven car. your father's but i have driven them before i mean it's a very thirsty engine so i get why they can't really make heads or tails of it just because those turbo v8s are making so much power now but and i still don't thing is, i mean I, we talked about this two episodes ago about the high cylinder count low displacement engines and how we would prefer those to you know, be the option over, you know, like a three liter four cylinder. Yeah. We'd no. rather have a two liter V eight. It's it's just it's another sign of really cool cars kind of disappearing from the world. And well, again, changing. I shouldn't say disappearing, you're right. Changing. But I mean But keep in mind there was a huge period of time where Mercedes did not make a V twelve engine. Yeah, like most of its existence. Yeah. I mean, I don't and, think- well I guess it's a good trade off because they're bringing back the straight six. Right, which is awesome. And I will, I think at the end of the day, I will happily make that Look trade. Look at you looking at the bright side. There I am. I am looking at the bright side. Uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm in fear that like companies like Spiker and stuff, are, are they still around? But Spiker is still around. I don't know if they currently make any products after, you know, after the C8, but. But I mean, like cars like that, like, I just don't want to see them like go to like making, using some totally horrible, like four, two V dub, like V8. Well, that's what Spiker uses. I know. I just want them to use something else because I want to love those cars a lot more than I do. I know. There's so many better <laughs> engines out there. I mean, why don't, why don't they just like call Ford up and be like, hey, man, can you ship me up a couple of those GT350 engines? Yeah, or How like Toyota or something, or Cummins yeah, like or something Toyota cool. would be great. That'd be really cool. I'd be okay with that. Or even like the, the five liter that they put in the LC500 or whatever. It's a great engine. Even What's um, Hyundai Kia. They've got that five liter V8 now. It makes 430 horsepower. Which I'm sure is held together by RTV. Um, what uh, what engine, do you remember who Donkervort was? Oh, God. That sounds like a beer. It does, because they're Dutch. But they made a uh, a version of the uh, Caterham, like Roadster, the Lotus 7. Yeah, yeah. But they used a V8. I wonder what V8 they used in that. Oh, man, that's probably a Jet V8 or one of those Busa, twin Busa clones let's, or whatever. Let's look here. Um, the Ariel, Ariel Adam uses that 3.5 liter. So let's see here. Oh, yeah, it looks like it was probably... Oh, they actually used a... They used a TFSI. Oh, God. Ugh, okay. Disregard that. Have fun with your cam followers, bro. <laughs> yeah, really? Nope. Man, I could swear they used a V8. And that's lame. All right, well. Anyway. <laughs> I ran out of beer. You were out of beer? I'm almost out of beer? I think that... Oh, my God. I think that makes well, it... microphone stand's getting the better of you. I know. I think that <laughs> makes it uh, the end of this episode, is we have nothing left to drink. Yeah. No, I think that's that's fair. 
no sense in stretching it out. And on that very sad note about Mercedes finally killing off its fabulous V12 engine. And we'll always get the straight six. Be positive. Yeah. We have a we new straight have, six. We have a new straight six, and, and there are still several very good V12s being made. Yes, there are. And on that bombshell, it's time to end the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, guys. Catch you next week.